the Spud Goodman Radio Show. And here is the studio orchestra of the Spud Goodman Show, sartorially regaled in sequined jumpsuit and cantilevered pompadour, the world's only accordion-playing Elvis impersonator, Accordion Joe. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. He calls to you who, the social outcast. Yes, you who are rejected. He wants you, he needs you, he loves you. Here comes the Spud Man, he goes down easy. Here comes the Spud Man. It's the Spud Goodman Show. Let's get ready. Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, Andar Ola. I am Spud, Spud Goodman. I know that, dude. Welcome, everyone, to a show named after yours truly. Yep, the Spud Goodman Show. And just because it has my name attached to it, don't just assume it'll suck. I mean, in this current era we live in, up is down and down is, well, it's not up. So you never know. The next 58 minutes could be wildly entertaining. Don't hate yourself tomorrow regretting that you changed the channel, okay? All right, just give us a shot. So now I need to introduce our designated laugher, my Aunt Dorothy. Give them a state-of-the-art chortle. (laughs) Oh, I feel good about that one. What do you think? Definitely in your top 10 chortles. Um, And thank you, by the way. Now I'm obligated to introduce our temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Uh, Say something brief that won't immediately repulse our listeners. Oh, no. Well, I I have no intention of repulsing our listeners. You know, I live to entertain. It's my calling in life. (laughs) Please don't even try to toss out any of your lame jokes, all right? Just do your job as a co-host, which is to remain silent until you're called on to offer emotional support to me, the host. Oh, well, I'm here for you, Spud. You know that. But, you know, I'm capable of offering so much more. I won't push the issue right now, but just remember, I am highly valuable. I'm a resource, and I'm just waiting for the call to join in here. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I wouldn't hold your breath. I'm going to be calling anytime soon. I'm well, just saying. Oh, hey. Uh, Spud has never been one to pick up a phone and call even his closest relatives. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Aunt Dorothy. I, I know I need to be better about that. But I have called you before, though. I well, mean, I you know, the last time you called me on the phone was when you were a senior in high school and you wanted me to buy beer for you and your friends the night before you graduated. Yeah. Um. Uh, if I had only known all of you were such rookie drinkers, I would have just bought you a six-pack. Well, as a mother, I would think that you would not want to be drunk at the putt-putt. Well, most of us still made it to the graduation ceremony, and yeah, you know, a couple guys stayed home in bed, and I know you took a lot of crap from their parents. So yeah. I'm sorry uh, about that y- still, Spud, after all these years. Spud, why? Why would you want to ruin your high school graduation with a beer party the night before? Um, um, you suck! I don't know. It wasn't ruined. I mean, at least I got my diploma. Anyway, let's change the subject and discuss something I found really interesting. I I saw it on the Discovery Channel last night. It was about this affliction called, I think, hyperthymesia. Um, People that have it can remember everything that has ever happened to them in their lives. 
Like, like I think even coming out of the womb, if you can believe it, I thank God I can't, as that's a moment that no kid should ever remember about their mother. Oh, my. Well, Spud, you know, I've never mentioned this to you. Uh, really, I've never mentioned it to, to anyone outside of my immediate family. But I was diagnosed with hyperthymesia when I was 19. I had to undergo a number of tests administered by this lab that dealt with this sort of thing. Uh, there were like five psychologists that worked with me. You know, people lie a lot, so you got to be on your toes. I don't believe him. Yeah, you know, you what? sound like that guy everyone knows, you know, who when someone brings up some rare disorder or condition, the... They read about the guy, you know, pipes up immediately. Everybody has, has spent time with this kind of with this guy. No, he always no, says no. he has it just to steal the spotlight for a few minutes. People gasp and feel sorry for him, and 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 then they ask him how bad things were, and, and then the guy starts backtracking when others start hitting him up with detailed follow-up questions. Oh, you whoa, ain't got the answers. Relax. You ain't got the answers. Whoa, yeah, like I said, I don't believe him. Uh -huh. Listen, it's not like I'm proud for having hyperthymesia. I guess God chose me to carry this burden knowing I could handle it better than most. I probably should have publicly come forward earlier with my experiences uh, because, you know, it might have helped others that have to cope with this. You know, I think it's only really, really famous people who share their problems that can help others. But, okay, well, well let me hit you with this. What were you doing on the 4th of July in 1981? Uh, 4th of July 1981. You know, if I remember correctly, and I'm pretty sure I do, I had an unfortunate experience with a firecracker. I thought it was a dud, but I'd already... No, that, that's, that's happened to just about every dude in America that loves to blow stuff up on the 4th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, as a former demolition specialist myself, I would say only a moron has an incident with duds. Right? Well, uh, listen, I yeah. almost lost a little finger, but luckily they were able to stitch it back on later, but it was a very painful day. Yeah, well, man, asking you about a memory on the 4th of July was just too damn easy. But I have to introduce our musical guest right now, and, oh. and I'll be speaking with them a little later on in the program. Um, but but I'm also going to hit you up with some more questions. You know that are going to reveal. It's going to reveal okay. that you are a fraud and a fake hyperthymesia victim. And those that no. do suffer from this are going to bury you with hate mail after this show. Yes. But anyway, please say hello to what is now the Spud Goodman Show's house band, Trees and Timber.
This is the Spud Goodman Show. This is the Spud Goodman Show. Hey, I'm Jay Farrell. You're listening to the Spud Goodman Show, one of the most drunk call reception shows I've ever been on. I don't know what's wrong. The man won't pay his bill. He's broke. He's cheap, but he's beautiful. So, ladies, give him some booty. And if you don't, I'm going to find you because I'm going to find you. We're going to find you. That's an old reference, but guess what? I don't give a damn because it still works. Jay Farrell, the Stud Goodman Show. <laughs> uh, Spud. Yeah. Your first guest, Pat Boone, is waiting to speak with you. Okay, wow. Pat Boone on the Spud Goodman Show. Who would have seen this coming? What the hell, yo? I, I must have. You know, Pat has always been a big favorite in the Holcomb family. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have a lot of his records, uh, and I've seen most of his movies, and we used to watch him on that Christian TV channel. I think it was TBN all the time. Yeah, I, I don't think I caught him on that show, but but, but I, I know... Pat put out an album for sure, like 20 years ago, because we've played it on this show. It's called In a Metal Mood, No More Mr. Nice Guy. It has some cool tunes oh. on it. Oh, Pat was a little too tame for me when I was growing up, but he was cute. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, just put him on before he figures out I'm not really Benny Goodman's great nephew, like our producer told his people. But before we do, I think we're going to play a little bit of his cover of Metallica's Enter the Sandman. Oh, right, yeah, and, and here it is. Say your prayers, little one. Don't forget my son to include everyone. I tuck you in warm within, keep you free from sin till the Sandman he comes. Sleep with one eye open, gripping your pillow tight. Okay, you've just heard a bit of our next guest version of Enter the Sandman by Metallica. Please say hello to a man who has sold over 45 million records and 38 top 40 hits. That's right. Please say hello to Pat Boone. Welcome, Pat. Hey, Spud. Yeah. Hey, so this <laughs> I is... I haven't talked to many people named Spud, but I enjoyed the beer commercial of the dog named Spud. Uh, dif dif different entity, but that's okay. Um, so <laughs> yeah. th this is the 20th anniversary of the release of your album, In a Metal Mood, No More Mr. Nice Guy, and Gold Records Artist is now re-releasing it. Uh, you know, we've played it on the show. W would it be a stretch to say your Christian evangelical fans were a bit confused and a little torqued off when it came out? Oh, they were more than confused. I was kicked off Christian TV instantly. Dang. I had a regular weekly show going, called Gospel America, and it was just one of the things I was doing, because I was still, you know, doing my own pop things and uh, a variety of other activities, but I was on Christian TV regularly, but when I went on Dick Clark's American Man Bandstand show, not a bandstand, but the American Music Awards, to present the Hard Rock Heavy Metal Award with Alice Cooper, and I was, we were supposed to swap images. Uh, that was Dick Clark's idea. Cooper was to come out in a V-neck sweater and white buck shoes carrying a glass of milk. And I was going to come out in the heavy leather outfit with tattoos and, and ch 
choker and boots and yeah. shades, you know, just really looking like a heavy metal apparition. And at the last minute, Cooper backed out. He didn't feel comfortable doing it, wearing white buck shoes. So I did yeah. I did, did everything that Dick Clark wanted me to do, and I took a little extra delight in shocking the king of shock rock, Alice Cooper. And it just, it, it just set the record world on fire. I went halfway up the Billboard chart the first week. But I did get kicked off Christian TV because folks thought I had gone over to the dark side. Dark side, uh-huh. They realized, no, this was just a means of promoting the album of very good music, big band jazz versions of some high-quality songs. Well, yeah. And I was really proud of it. It was a groundbreaking new thing that nobody had ever done. I'm a descendant of Daniel Boone, who liked to go places other people hadn't gone. Uh, Spud, yeah, well, like, like I said, I was a regular viewer of Pat's show on TBN, and I was sad when they took him off the air, but I understood why they had to do so. Uh, hey, hey, Pat, just a second. Last I heard in America, there was that First Amendment. I'm not sure it covers evangelical TV hosts dropping a heavy metal record on the world, but I bet it does, so they should never have messed with them. Yeah, but, but being on the same stage as Alice Cooper sends the wrong message to the youth of America. I know Pat learned his lesson and will never put on leather pants again. Uh, I saw that American Music Awards show years ago that Pat was on. Mm -hmm. I have to say he filled out those leather pants quite well. Um, that's something I would rather delete from my mental hard drive, uh, Aunt Dorothy, uh, at mm -hmm. least until I'm done with this interview. Let me get back to him. Okay, I have returned. Good, wonderful. Thank you, Spud. Well, I, I kind of wanted to ask you, what was the reaction of serious metal fans? Did, how did that go for you? You never opened up for, like, Pantera or Megadeth, right? You just It, did, it never went, like, on the road, correct? No, no, <laughs> no. But the artists themselves were highly complimented, as I hoped they would be. Metallica was bowing to me and called me their new lead singer, when, uh, when we gave them the award that night on the American Music Awards for, for their new album. Uh, and then other groups like uh, Motorhead and Poison and Scorpion were asking me to do their songs, even Aerosmith, hey, do one of our songs. Because we were treating their songs, not just as heavy metal songs, but good songs. You could do them a different way. And oh, it, was, uh, it was a brand new thing. I, everywhere I went after that, even now, Heavy metal fans say, hey, right on, dude. Love the way you did uh, Smoke on the Water or The Wind Cried Mary or, or even uh, Stairway to Heaven or, or Panama. So, yeah, the fans themselves loved the fact that somebody was doing songs they already loved, but with respect and with a, and a new approach. Right. Well, let, let's take a quick look back on your career because it, it, it spans many decades. Uh, when you first exploded... You know, back in the 50s, did you buy the description of you in the press as being a safe Elvis Presley, who's actually a safe little Richard? I mean, because black artists did create rock and roll, and companies hired did hire white artists, you know, to reach the mainstream, and it worked for a while, right? Well, uh, that's not quite exactly the way it was. Uh, uh, rhythm and blues was its own separate genre, and uh, they had their own artists, their own stations, their own uh, recording. Right, right. Uh, and charts and all, <clears throat> and, and their music was not played on pop radio. Right. And there was no rock and roll. Uh, rock and roll was a, a euphemism 
uh, for sex, uh, for just rocking and rolling all night mm -hmm. long, like Kiss picked up on eventually. Mm -hmm. And but a lot of the rhythm and blues uh, was the, the that phrase was a euphemism for sex. So obviously it wasn't getting played on pop radio, <clears throat> but when pop producers began to hear some of those songs that were good fun and they were very commercial sounding, they would have white artists do versions, not just white, but, but pop artists do right. versions of those songs, and we started calling them rock and roll. I was, uh, I came along just at that moment, accidentally it seemed, or coincidentally, and I was recording uh, Little Richard's Tutti Frutti and Fat Domino's Ain't That a Shame and I'll Be Home by the Flamingos and and uh, though they were they were thrilled the original artists because they didn't get played on pop radio uh, but Little Richard I have a tape of his uh, back when he uh, had his career was still very new and he was on a black station and the DJ would say how'd you feel when Pat Boone did your song Tutti Frutti Little Richard and very honestly said, when his memory was very clear, he said, I was still washing dishes in a bus station in Macon, Georgia. My record was on the air, but I wasn't getting no money then. But when I heard Pat Boone my song, I, I threw the towel down and walked out of there because I was going to make some money now. I mean, that was the way it was. Fats Domino, when I did his Ain't That a Shame, his record had been number one in the rhythm and blues field and genre. Number one sold 150,000, which was great. I did a, my version of his song, which was not tame by any measure. It was hard rock. But I did my version of Ain't That a Shame, went to number one pop, and sold a million and a half. And he was thrilled because he wrote the song and, and he made more money, as he said himself, off my record than on his own. And yet he was making money on both of them. Right. So it was a synergistic thing. And the, the proof of what I'm saying is there were many rhythm and blues artists back then that were big hits in their genre. Nobody knows any of them today except the ones that were covered with pop versions of their songs. And now that opened the door to Little Richard and Fats and many of the other artists who otherwise would still would be largely forgotten now. Right. And they, they gave us credit for uh, opening the door for them. And, and then, of course, I had them on my own TV shows, and we sang songs together. All right, super. Man, I know we're out of time, and I had so many more questions to ask you, but I know you got to go. So let me say again, the 20th anniversary edition of your album, In a Metal Mood, No More Mr. Nice Guy, is now being re-released by Gold Records Artists and is available everywhere. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Okay, good deal. Thank you. All right, there you have it, Mr. Pat Boone. I'm going Train. Yes, I'm going off the rails on a crazy train. I'm going off the rails on a crazy train. Still more fun and excitement in store in the second half of the Spud Goodman Radio Show right after this brief intermission. We're the Black Tones. We are the Black Tones. I'm Eva. 
and I'm Cedric. Cedric, who's playing bass? His name is Robbie. Robbie. Robbie's playing bass. This is a Spud Goodman show. Spud Goodman, I'm deleting you off my Facebook. I'm sorry. Oh, oh. We share the same Facebook. I guess that means I'm deleting Spud, too. It is what it is, man. The Spud Goodman show. Spud. Spud. Goodman. We now return to more action-packed thrills and excitement on the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Hey, dude, I googled this hyperthymesia when the band was playing, yeah. and it said that actress Mary Lou Henner, who was on 60 Minutes talking about this a few years ago, I bet you saw that and stole her disease. You are a disease thief. I know you didn't I, see that show last night on the Discovery Channel. Is you no. still don't have cable and you use that lame antenna? You, no, uh, yeah, I didn't. But I do remember that sixty minutes episode featuring Mary Lou Henner a few years ago. Yeah, okay. I, I got to tell you, I felt she did an adequate job describing what life is like for us that deal with this condition. It's <laughs> Jack, what you're saying. Or maybe you have that disease sympathizer affliction. Mm. I don't know what the official psychological term is, but it's people that hear of a disease start believing that they have it too. It's either they're trying to be supportive by joining the club or, or they're total attention whores. I'm not sure as I'm, I'm not a licensed psychologist. Here's the problem. You don't know the history of psychiatry. I do. I could still offer by my diagnosis, though, so I go with attention whore. No. Let's see, and, and this is That's why my opinion. this is why I never shared this information with you, Spud. Those who deal with hyperthymesia, they know that they're in a very small club, and when they out themselves, you know they or we have come out to expect public ridicule. Again, I don't believe him. Uh, okay, I'm a, okay, let's go with this one. Yeah. What were you doing on January 9th, nineteen eighty-nine? Huh? I mean. What did you have for breakfast? You, you know food is the central focus of my life. So what was it? Okay, just a second. Uh, in 89, I believe I had an English muffin, two slices of bacon. My older brother, Pete, ate most of the bacon before I came downstairs. I was running late because we ran out of toilet paper, and I had to go to the storage closet to get a new roll. Then the sink was plugged up, and Yuck, I had to put a bit yeah. of Drano in to clear it out. You know how that goes. Yeah, uh, then my brother was losing a lot of his hair those days, oh so that my. happened to us a lot. Yeah. But and I think what I had was what was left of the hash browns, too. Uh, but I can't remember. about the whining, you know, about getting the short end of the stick I'm at breakfast. Whining. Okay, what was the weather that day? Because I think we can Google that. Oh, well, uh, I believe it was a fairly nice day given the time of year. Maybe uh, low 50s with a bit of clouds before it cleared up around noon. Well, what is the question? <laughs> I guess I can check that out later after the show, but yeah. it's going to take me a while to verify it. I mean, I, I mean, if, if I did that, I could just say, okay, on June 18th, 1998, it was nice with a high of 78, and, and it would sound like, you know, that I know what I'm talking about. Oh. You know I mean? Oh, really, Spud? Yeah, I don't no believe proof. him. I, we can get the interns to Google that. Well, uh, listen, check that what? weather service. Nobody believes me. What would I gain by pretending I suffer from hyperthymesia? I don't know. My goodness, it's been a real challenge for me at times. My wife, Rachel, has complained at length what, what it's like living with someone like this. <laughs> She's learned a distinct hand single signal that indicates T 
TMI. And that stands for too much. I freaking e- know what TMI means, man. Jeez. Oh. Uh, well, I can only I imagine what it's like for your wife, uh, you know, whether you really have this or not. You have no on or off button with your worthless trivia. And she must have to lock herself up in that safe room in your house when you stout, you know, when you start downloading your <laughs> verbal information. Well, I mean, listen, she, she does use the safe room from time to time. It's uh, for what she calls oh. Rachel time that's so hot yeah i bet why don't you see if our next guest is ready to go yeah spud i'm being told your next guest suzanne summers is ready to go all right and i believe she has a new book out i'm supposed to ask her a few questions about it oh are you going to ask her about the thigh master yeah if you could just go ahead and make sure you do that from now on that would be great I don't know. I mean, I still have mine, but she's probably burned out with Thighmaster questions. I'll just see how it goes, and then maybe I might bring up the topic. Well, you know, Suzanne Summers is quite a successful entrepreneur, as she's been involved in many business ventures. Our show is not on CNBC, dude. I know. I mean, I know what our listeners want. They want me to ask at least one Three's Company question. That's for sure. Hey, I had a thing for Norman Phil, who played Mr. Roper. I know that, dude. I don't know why. He was just so darn sexy. Hmm. Good to know, Aunt Dorothy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Temporary co-host, put her through. Uh, it's temporary permanent, and here she is. Say hello to actress, author, and businesswoman Suzanne Summers. Thanks much for calling into our show. Well, you are so welcome. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. And we're on the same time, Seattle, yeah. and I'm in, I'm in Palm Springs. Oh, super. So you have a new book out titled Two's Company, A 50-Year Romance with Lessons Learned in Love, Life, and Business. I I guess that you're here to say that most romantic relationships do not have a shelf life, huh? So how long have you been with your husband, Alan? As of last Saturday, 50 years. Wow. Wow. I met him when I was 20 years old, and the the unlikeliness of the two of us ever meeting is um, crazy. He's from Toronto, Canada. He was the biggest star in Canada at that time. He had the late night talk show like Johnny Carson. He was so popular and he had an afternoon talk show and a kid's show and another show, The Forerunner of Saturday Night Live. He was Mr. Big up there and he felt that he had gone as far as he could go in Canadian television. So he came to Los Angeles, um, formed a partnership with Dick Clark, who remained a friend and his wife is still our dear friend up until his death. And um, they created the show and there was no studio space in L.A., and here's the serendipity. So they took a studio in San Francisco, KGO-TV. It's an ABC affiliate. Mm-hmm. And I was hired. Uh, I was a single t- teenage mother, divorcee, kind of a tragic figure I, as I look back on myself at that time. I came from a violent alcoholic upbringing. And when I got pregnant, I was sent away and all the shame. And then I had to marry him, and I didn't want to marry him, so I divorced him. And then it was more shame. And I frankly wasn't feeling real good about myself, but I had this little boy, and he just gave me a reason for living every day. So I'm hired, I'm just trying to feed us. I don't have any child support, I don't have any any financial support, too proud to take any kind of welfare or anything. And I get a job um, from this agent who doesn't have, care about me at all, because I'm not making her any money. She said, it's one day's work, but if you do good, maybe it'll turn into something regular. So I walk in, and there he is. And it was like what poets write about. Uh, He's all suave and handsome, and I'd never seen anybody like that. I'd never felt an aura like that. 
people were standing all around him, and I was standing over in the corner. I was afraid to enter that energy field, and I'm just staring at him, and all of a sudden, he stares at me, and it's like, you know, in movies, everything else was filtered, like it's underwater, and he walks towards me, and my heart is pounding, and he said later his was too, and that was the beginning. Uh, I lost the job, by the way. I wasn't good. Uh, so, Spud? Yeah. I, uh, I'm getting the feeling that Suzanne's kind of on a roll realize. here, and it's going to be Johnny tough Parker for you to get a word in, let alone a question. You think? And, um, she must have had a bad experience kind of with a talk show host that just in, wouldn't let her get a word in. Oh, maybe so, but I thought up some decent questions, man, that I wanted to ask her. I'm going to try to jump in here when I can. Let me get back to her. One credit. I was a mysterious blonde in a Thunderbird. That was Wednesday. Friday of that week, I was booked on The Tonight Show, my first national TV appearance. Can you imagine? I had to write a bad check for the dress because I didn't own a dress. And um, I hear Johnny Carson, I'm thinking they love my poetry. <clears throat> I hear Johnny Carson say, we've all been wondering who the mysterious blonde in the Thunderbird is. Well, we found her. And I couldn't believe it. I hadn't even seen the movie because I couldn't afford to go to the movie. And I walk out there and the audience goes, woo! And that uh, began this no, no incredible so relationship far, huh? with Johnny No, Carson. she hasn't even taken a breath month. so I can cut in with but at least one question. This is going to be a real challenge. Any suggestions? I can't many, believe I just asked you for input, but have you got any bright ideas? So well, you, you could pretend you're wow. choking well, on something. That, uh, um, that might make her pause for a moment. I don't want her to call 911 on my behalf, though. It would be a good test, you know, to see if she truly cares about me or even knows I'm here. Um, just let me try again to sneak in a quick question. I don't care if they even paid me at all. But by year six, the story had changed. I was featured on 60 Minutes, 2020, Barbara Walters, cover of Newsweek. Every year I'm on more than 50 magazine covers. I mean, it's crazy time because there are only three choices at that time. Well, and so in year six, I had to renegotiate. And all the men were making 10 to 15 times more than me on lesser shows, which I understood because I had signed for nothing. But now the story's changed, so my husband left his career in Canada to come and handle my career. He said, you don't know what you're doing, and you could be a real force here, but you need some guidance. He goes in, and they fire me for asking. Everybody thinks I left the show. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to. I was fired for asking because they wanted to make an example. If the most popular woman on television at that time can be fired, none of the other women would have the nerve to ask for parody with the men, and, and it worked. But here's where it gets good, you know, and that's the theme of this book. Bad things happen to people all the time. We all, I call it like a fist. My brother used to have a thing called a schmoo. It's a life-size punching bag with a, dog, a clown face on it and sand on the bottom. You punch it, bam, it comes back. You punch it again, bam. It doesn't matter how many times you punch it, bam, 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 it keeps coming back. And so... My husband took me by the shoulders when he came home from that meeting. He said, you're out. He said, we're going to make this work for us. He said, we're going to work for ourselves. And he said, and we're going to brand Suzanne Summers. Because he, we had tried to brand Chrissy Snow, but we didn't own it. We knew she should have a clothing line and a Saturday morning animated cartoon show. And she should have been a movie star, the, you know, the Adventures of Chrissy Snow. They had no business savvy at all. So his first foray for us was the Thigh Master. And at last count, many years ago, it was 10 million units sold, and it's still selling. It's iconic. Do you still use and your Thigh Master? Oh, I use it. 
<laughs> I actually am looking at it right now as we are speaking. I probably should be using it while we're doing it. And then the next thing he did, he's... I don't think do I've do ever heard fired? you allow our guest to have enough? complete control <sighs> of an interview <sighs> spread. Yeah, it is pretty embarrassing for a host to, to just we'll surrender a show to a guest. Uh, maybe no one's listening well, right now. At least, at least I got in a really, really quick Thymaster question. Uh, I'm going back in and give it one last freaking try. Wish me luck. Okay. Wow. Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> let, let me say once again, then, your new book, Two's Company, A 50-Year Romance with Lessons Learned in Love, Life, and Business, is now available everywhere. Thank you so much for coming on our show. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Ms. Suzanne Summers. This is John Michaels with lesson number three on broadcast speech. Ask, repeat it after me each time. Ask, rascal, basket, stand, rather, pass, grass, ant, casket, mass, and half, past, staff, castle. Let's go through list number seven. Repeat each word after me carefully and deliberately. Any, bed, dress, get, guess, tell, let, men, said, them, beg, get, hen, keg, leg, met. Repeat after me. Bag, 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 pack, pet, shell, shell. Ready, I said, I go, man, go. I gotta tell you about the Goodwin Show, cause I'm ready. Ready, 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 I'm ready. Ready, 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 I'm ready. Ready, 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 I'm ready, ready, ready to rock and roll. This is one of radio's most famous musical productions, the program that brings you the music of a nation that loves to sing and whose songs reflect the beauty and romance inherent in its way of life. This is the Spud Goodman Show. It's musical guest interview time, so please say hello to our good friends, Trees and Timber. Hey, how's it going? Uh, you know, um, I think it takes like seven years for a couple shacking up to be legally considered family. So after this appearance on our show, you are now the common law house band here. Hopefully it won't do too much damage wow. to the band's brand. Do we get half of your stuff? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't <laughs> want it. Yeah. yeah. So let me ask, say just for the heck of it, uh, please, you know, for, for the listeners that aren't familiar with you guys, introduce yourselves and your instrument of choice. I'm Joe, and I play the Bang Bangs. I'm Gwen, and I play the bass. I'm Paul, and I play the drums. All right, super. Um, so I got to ask you, uh, anything interesting happening, you know, to the band since the last time you were on? Like, you know, have the three of you maybe entered into one of those polyamorous arrangements? Because I, I saw this program on Showtime where I learned all about it. It's kind of cool, except when, you know, the, no. the chores are divvied up. Then That's it got, it got an idea. Ugly. We tried that with the last drummer, and it didn't work. Okay. <laughs> All right, super. Uh, well, you know, my Aunt Dorothy wanted to ask you a question, if that's okay. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, hey, do you guys feel Molly helps out much with the songwriting? I'm just curious. Molly? Are you talking about the drug? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well uh, I just was interested. They don't have anybody in the band named Molly, I don't think. Well, it's just, just a question. Okay, then moving on. All right. Okay, so I don't think I've ever asked you guys this. Um, yeah, what are your mu musical influences? Anybody that you guys would like to go on the record as saying it's impacted the Trees and Timber sound? Oh, wow. Uh, no. Okay. That's for the record. Wow. All right, super. Decisive. Well, what's the name of the next song? 
Uh, this one's called Into the Liar's Den again. Ooh, cool. Let's do it. Goodman Radio Show. Hey, this is uh, Bobcat Goldthwait, and unfortunately, Spud Goodman didn't lose my number, so I'm on his show. Uh, Spud, your last guest, Michael Zegan's holding the line for you. Okay, this guy's done some cool stuff so far in his career. I mean, he was Dwight the Troubled Teen on David Letterman's show. He was on like 50-some times. Yeah, you know, you're aware I was never a David Letterman fan myself. He was way too sarcastic for my tastes. I have a winning temperament. I know how to win. Just about every successful late-night TV talk show host owes him big time. He was a creative genius. So, with your old failed cable TV talk show, I guess you don't owe him anything? Hey, I lasted more years on the air than anyone could have predicted. You're going to get so tired of winning, you're going to say, Mr. President, please, we don't want to win anymore. It's too much. 
I'm with you on this one, Spud. Letterman was a true comedy god. Well, Michael, you know, went yeah. on to do Rescue Me, which was a really cool show. Uh, Boardwalk Empire on HBO, which was fantastic. And, and you know, he has a new show out on Amazon, and it's gotten great reviews. Put him through. Yeah, all right, here he is. Please welcome actor Michael Zegan to the show. Hey, man, thanks for checking in with us. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so so you have a brand new show on Amazon, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It's gotten really good reviews, and you've already been renewed for season two, which is pretty wild in today's TV world. Congrats. Thank you, yeah, we're very excited. Yeah, so could you give our listeners the basics of the show? I haven't seen the pilot, but the storyline interests me very much. Yeah, um, it's about a 1950s housewife uh, in New York City who becomes a stand-up comedian. Um, her, her husband leaves her, and she kind of doesn't know what to do with her life and pours out all her rage on stage. Oh, super. And I play, I play uh, her husband who leaves her. <laughs> so I'm still on the show. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, all right. Um, well, you know, you've had an interesting career. Let me step into the Wayback Machine uh, way back. Uh, you know, you played Dwight the Troubled Teen on The Late Show with David Letterman. Like, you were on around 50 times. Yeah. So how, gr- how grouchy was Dave to you? On a bad day, did he ever yell at you, or did he just save that for the network suits? As many times as I did the show, I never actually really talked to, to Dave. Although I, huh. I, I have no problems with him. I, I think, you know, I... I he liked me, and that's why he kept bringing me back. But I never had a sit down with him. I never, you know, I, I think once we ran into each other backstage by accident, and he said, "Hey." But other than that, um, he's a very private person. And um, I mean, even after the show ended, like everybody would have to stay in their rooms while he w- walked through the hallways. It was it, he, it was interesting. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I'm very thankful to him uh, for that job because uh, otherwise I don't know how I would have survived living in the city. Right. Well, hey, I guess that, uh, hey, how's it going or whatever was a bear hug from for Dave, you know, so yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> sure. No, that was actually one of the highlights of that whole, you know, time period. I was, I was, I, I was thrilled to even get a high from him. I think he said, hi, Dwight, um, oh. you know, my character's name, but regardless, uh, it was a thrill. All right, super. Uh, Spud, yeah, y- you know, you seem to have similar rules with co-workers as David Letterman. I-, I know you admire him so much, but don't you think you could be a little bit more welcoming and available to the staff here in the studio before and after the show? Uh, Michael, I'll be back in a sec. Don't go calling me Steve Harvey again, okay? I bet David Letterman's rules about staff not bugging him, you know, before, during, and after the show uh, are not as obnoxious as Steve Harvey's. You know, you know, and at least Dave said hi to Michael once. Yeah. Steve's staff can't even make eye contact with him. Well, I have no problem with you being cold and aloof, Spud. I mean, as your aunt, I got used to your personality quirks back when I was changing your diapers. It's actually refreshing not to have to make small talk with you. Thank you, Aunt Dorothy. And mm. you are, for the record, my favorite aunt. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I believe she's your only aunt. And may I ask, would it kill you to occasionally respond to my handshake when I first see you before the show? No handshakes, dude, unless I have my Purell with me. Now let me get back to Michael. Okay, I'm back. 
Well, let's let's touch on your time on Rescue Me, the the very well written show uh, led yeah. by Dennis Leary. Did did you hang out much with firemen preparing for the role? Did you get to like slide down a pole or wash a fire truck before you went before the cameras? <laughs> Not really. Uh, <laughs> there were a lot of firefighters on set, um, so if you ever had a question, uh, you know, regarding some sort of uh, what would you would do in a certain situation, um, they would be there to answer you. Uh, and, and, and a lot of times it would throw them a few lines too. And, uh, huh. That was really cool. They uh, firefighters still come up to me, you know, if, if I'm at a bar or something, and they they tell me how much they love rescuing me. I, I love doing that show. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, well, how about this one? When you played Bugsy Siegel on Boardwalk Empire, did you ever take that role home with you? Like, like maybe hit Vegas, uh, <laughs> you know, hit Vegas and take it all in, and knowing what you or you know, or he pulled off, that ever happened? Uh, yes. <laughs> no, I did. I did go to Vegas while I was playing the part, and uh, yeah, that was really cool. I was, you know, I did like kind of look out over over all of Las Vegas and think to myself that I created this. Um, yeah. But other than that, not the, the, uh, the craziness aspect of the character, I don't believe I brought home, no. But it, it, I mean, playing a character like that was so much fun. All right. Because it was make-believe. Yeah, I guess it was. But anyway, all right. I love that. Loved, yeah. loved Boardwalk Empire. But yeah. Um, yeah, me too. Look, on the show now, you know, uh, we're discussing people with, like, freaky memories, specifically, I think it's called hyperthymesia. My co-host here is saying he has it. But anyway, um, well, you know, where people can remember everything in their lives. So how's your memory? I mean, you can remember your line, so it must be pretty good, right? <laughs> I, my memory is pretty good. I, yeah, I can remember uh, a, a lot of lines and um, in a short period of time. So I guess... And I, I do actually remember a lot about childhood, so really? huh. I think my parents would, would, you know, disagree with a lot of the things that I remember. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I have a pretty good memory. Okay, all right, super. Um, well, let me close this, because I know you got stuff to do, uh, but I want to ask you, uh, Michael Zegan, what are your mid-range career goals? What, what do you want to see happen in the next 37 to 43 months? Um... I just want to continue working, you know, I, I don't, I, I think these, I'm reaching my goals. I think, you know, I've always wanted to be on a, a really great show and, and be a series regular on that, on that show. And I'm doing that now. It's, it's yeah. this is one of the best shows I've ever been a part of. And I'm having so much fun doing it. And I just want to continue that. I want to, you know, I want to continue doing it. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's my goal. Hopefully the show goes on for years. Yeah, well, that that's my hope, too, because I, I really am into the binge thing, so I, I could sit down and watch 10, 12 seasons easily over a weekend. So anyway, all right. Okay, well, this is only eight episodes, so you'll uh, you'll have a lot of fun with it. It's really great. It's really funny. Yeah. And well. it's beautiful to look at. All right, super. Okay, well, let me say again that the new series, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, is now available for viewing on Amazon. Hey, we really appreciate you coming on our show. Oh, thank you so much. All right, Mr. Michael Zegan. Ron Popeil. I really miss Ron Popeil's infomercials late at night. He always knew how to make buying junk sound so right. 
I once bought an electric fork but couldn't eat anything with it, try as I might, or a blender that could double as a neat flashlight. I really miss Ron Popeil's infomercials late at night, but since he retired, my Visa card balance is now so much lower. great to be at Trump Tower. It's great to be in a wonderful city, New York. And it's an honor to have everybody here. This is beyond anybody's expectations. This is the Spud Goodman Show. My, how time flies. So, so let's put this hyperthymesia deal to a test, a real test. Describe in detail the day you first experienced solid foods as a baby. Yes, it's all about food with me. Everybody knows that. What was the first thing you ate after going off formula or whatever you were fed? Oh, well, I, I was never fed formula. All the children in our family were breastfed only until we transitioned to solid foods. Now, I can totally okay. remember my first real meal. I was five years, 204 days old, and it was a jar of Gerber's peas and carrots. I, that's uh, frankly offensive. But I love both peas and carrots to this day, so okay. I guess that was the beginning of a lifelong love affair with those tasty vegetables. I truly believe they're one of God's greatest creations. I don't want any damn vegetables. Oh, boy. I think I'm going to puke here. Well, um, uh, do you really remember eating a jar of peas and carrots? Seriously? I not only remember that meal, I also remember quite vividly, I asked for seconds, but my mother didn't have any, so I received milk instead. From a carton, I hope. Uh, no, and and for you know those Holcombs who were age seven or older, we had our own milk cow, Beatrice, who provided all we needed when I was Super. growing up. I'm so hungry. Your poor mother. I think I'm going to change the subject right now. Pretty oh, sure. Uh, actually, Spud, the interns are telling me we have a caller on the line. I think it's someone who's called in before because they seem to know him. Uh, do, do you want to take it? Yeah, please. Uh, put it through. Caller, you there? Hey, hey, I'm Spud. You remember me, right? Uh, yeah, I haven't been able to get on the show for a really long time, you know, and it's weird because I keep calling every week, but I can't get through. Welcome to AOL. Time Warner, Taco Bell, U.S. government, long distance. Please say the name of the person you wish to call. Okay, I gotta give thanks to whatever kid that you have handling the phone lines here. This is NASCAR guy. And, and listen, I wanted oh, to tell you it about had to, It had to have been Chance. Chance, the intern who took your call. Hey, Chance, thanks a lot, man. Okay, so now you got on the show again. I hope you enjoyed your conversation with me because I gotta go now. It was It was nice, okay? It was nice. Hey, look, but I just wanted to say to, to Jerry, your co-host there, that uh, I've had uh, this hyperthymesia too. You know, it's been both a curse and a blessing for me because, I mean, it has caused some issues in my romantic life. But, but as far as NASCAR goes, I have retained each and every memory I've had with this glorious sport since I saw my first race on TV when I was 16 months old. My uncle was babysitting me, you know, and he was this big NASCAR fan. On that day, Richard Petty won by two car lengths, and if it wasn't for a wreck five laps earlier, I think Benny Parsons would have taken it then. Yes. 
Wow. You know, you and it's Gerald, by the way, but you know, you're the first fellow hyperthymesia patient I've spoken with. I appreciate you sharing your experiences with us. Uh, I, on the other hand, am not overly appreciative of you sharing NASCAR memories. I will never, ever understand the fun watching cars go round and around in a circle. At least it could go out on the freeway or something to make it interesting. You know what I mean. Yes, every man that has been in my life has loved NASCAR, and that is why I'm still single. Uh, Caller, do you ever have dreams at night of events that caused you stress growing up? I continue to relive the day I was rushing to put together my seventh grade science fair project. I waited until the last day, and my mom and I were rushing to make the volcano that I was uh, turning in spew smoke, but it ended up spitting out a smokeless odor that uh, it literally cleared everyone out of the auditorium where they were holding the competition. Very embarrassing. You stupid ignorance, dumb Uh, didn't you help your youngest kid with a volcano for his science fair project last year? I remember this. Well, You're still chasing that freaking blue ribbon, aren't you? Hey, you know, I can relate to that because I myself had a pretty stress-free childhood, but, you know, I do remember a, a number of very intense and exciting NASCAR races. Okay, like like when I was three years, 129 days old, I watched the Daytona 500, and I was really rooting for... Okay, caller, caller, we need to go, um, we need to go, but uh, now that I've heard what you had to offer in this conversation, I think, I, I think I'd rather have learned more details about my co-host's breastfeeding habits, even if I did throw up just a little tiny bit again in my mouth. Stop being weak! Thanks for sharing, though. Bye. Well, wait, 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 because I, I wanted to talk to you, um, I wanted to tell you about the race that... Uh... Is he gone? Let's hope so. Well, you know what? I got to say, I did appreciate the support from a fellow hyperthymesia patient. I know you're not a big fan of the sport of NASCAR. I don't hate NASCAR that much, really, but please don't call it a sport. Yes, the drivers have to take a shower, you know, after the race, but they don't run, let alone walk in it. Okay, my neighbor down the hall is like 91 years old, and you could prop him up in a car and send him out on the track. Would he win? We are going to start winning big league. Probably not, but he could get in a few wrecks just like the other NASCAR drivers would. He's pretty spunky. Spud, dear, age has not, is just nothing but a number. But if he did get in a race car, I hope he would be hooked up to a catheter. Yeah, good point. Yeah. You know, I need to get one of those catheter things, you know, when I'm trying to go to sleep at night. Dang, I'm serious. I'm going to look into that. But hey, i got to sign off now as we are out of time. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. Bye-bye. Yep. God bless and ciao. Once again, here is Trees and Timber. Sure that life was
The Spud Goodman Show is produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions and recorded at NWCZ Radio. Engineer Mike Renville, executive producer Lori Madsen. Written and directed by Spud Goodman. Associate producer and video director TJ Pites. Production assistants Brian Martin and Chance Morrison. Original music by Mike Spots and Tom Harmon. On-air talent Rob McGee, David Deere, Pam McGee, and Tom Nolan. Copyright 2017 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. We've all been wondering who the mysterious blonde in the Thunderbird is while we found I walk out there and the audience goes, woo! And that began this incredible relationship with Johnny Carson that was featured on 60 Minutes, 2020, Marvel Walters, cover of Newsweek. Every year I'm on more than 50 magazine covers. I mean, it's a crazy time because there are only three choices at that time. You punch it, bam, it comes back. You punch it again, bam. Doesn't matter how many times you punch it, bam, 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 b